This is a fifth Monday. It seems like just a moment ago that it was the first Monday, January 2nd, 2023. Now we are in the waning days of the two-faced month. And are you ready for whatever comes next? There's no way to write down all of what has happened in the 30 days since 2022 melted into the past, but the hope of every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement is intended to capture as much as possible. I'm your contrarian, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, one person is dead after another shooting incident in Charlottesville on Saturday night. Real estate assessments go up by double digits in Charlottesville for the second straight year. The number of vacant storefronts is down in some areas of Charlottesville. A local real estate group wants you to learn more about the city's zoning rewrite. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission is awarded more funding to cover the costs of eviction diversion. And Charlottesville awards a contract to a Charlotte firm to develop a strategic plan. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, today The Haven will host its first-ever community open house. The event is free and open to the public. With the goal of demystifying their work and the experience of homelessness, this will be an opportunity to learn more about what The Haven does and why they do it. Stop by for building tours, small bites, and an informal meet-and-greet with staff. The event begins at 112 West Market Street at 6 p.m. with remarks from the executive director at 7 p.m. You can register for the event in a link in the newsletter. Another shooting in Charlottesville claimed the life of a 36-year-old man on Saturday night. Charlottesville police were called to the 1100 block of Grove Street in Fifeville at around quarter to 10 p.m. When they arrived at the scene, they found a man who had been shot multiple times. Eldridge Vandrew Smith was pronounced dead. The incident is being treated as a homicide, according to a press release. Last week, the police reported two other shots fired incidents, including one last Monday night at 6th and Garrett, in which a six-year-old boy was struck. The boy was taken to the University of Virginia Medical Center and later released. Another incident was reported a few hours later on Oakmont Street, in which a 30-year-old woman was struck and taken to the hospital. The city maintains an open data portal, which includes public safety records. The data table for crimes have not been updated since November 9th, nor has the accompanying crime map. The Charlottesville Police Department website now refers people to a new portal called Citizen Connect for additional information. Additional information on that portal in upcoming editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. For the second year in a row, the average real estate assessment has increased by double digits, setting up conversations this week about additional revenue that will be generated for the city of Charlottesville. Residential parcels increased by an average of 11.52% based on 15,148 taxable properties. Commercial properties went up an average of 12.16%, and that includes apartment complexes, retail, and office space. When you throw in new construction, the overall increase is 12.33%. Nearly 98% of all properties in Charlottesville went up in value, with just over 1% declining. If you are a city property owner and you dispute an increase, 
the first step is to fill out an assessment appeal application form. This must be turned in by February 28th, and people can make an appeal based on a fair market value claim or errors in the property description which may have altered the valuation. If unsuccessful, the next step is to the Board of Equalization. Last year, the board affirmed the assessor's position in 9 out of 10 appeals, only granting 1. The third step is to go before the Charlottesville Circuit Court. More on the city's assessments as more information is released. The Charlottesville Office of Economic Development keeps track of six areas across the city to see how well storefronts are doing, filled or empty. The latest figures were released earlier this month. The study looks at the downtown mall, the corner, Barracks Road Shopping Center, McIntyre Plaza, Preston Plaza, and Seminole Square. The study only looks at the ground floor and does not include vacancies if a space is being renovated for a future tenant or neither are vacant office spaces are also not counted. Seminole Square Shopping Center had the highest vacancy rate with 5 out of 45 storefronts, Great Eastern Management Company had 13 empty spaces in the shopping center in July of 22, falling from a 24% vacancy rate to 11.11% in January. Part of the reason is the removal of several spaces that will be converted to residential as part of a mixed-use development that is working its way through the site plan approval process in the city's Department of Neighborhood Services. These include the former Giant Grocery Store, the former Big Lots, and a former Party Starts Here. The former Chili's Restaurant is being renovated into the Seoul Korean Barbecue and Hotspot. A website for the company states that this will open in February. There is an existing restaurant with this name in Mason, Ohio. Barracks Road Shopping Center had eight vacancies out of 84 stores, equating to a 9.52% vacancy rate. That's down from July of 2022 because of several planned new stores, including a second location for Brazos Tacos. The conversion of the old CVS space into a great outdoor provisions company and the arrivals of Fluffy's Pet Shop, Soma, and a Love Sack showroom. The downtown mall had the third highest vacancy rate with 8 out of 190 spaces vacant, or 4.21%. The study reports that something called the Green Cauldron plans to locate at 107 West Main Street and that the draft tap room at 425 East Main Street is still planning on a return. Their Facebook page has not been updated since they closed for the pandemic. Prominent vacancies include the 200 West Market Street building where Fellini's existed for years, the proposed Dewberry Hotel, the former Atlantic Union Bank at 411 East Main Street, and the former home of Vita Nova. That establishment moved across the street to a space that used to be the Impeccable Pig, which was a dress shop and not a restaurant. Vacancies in the Barracks Road shopping center include the former locations of Simply Mac, Sweet Frog, and Bubbles Salon. There were no vacancies on the corner, Preston Plaza, or McIntyre Plaza, according to the report. The corner had several vacancies in July, but the city now expects new tenants soon. The former Juice Laundry is now a Carytown Tobacco, for example. You can read the study for the full definitions for each geographic location. The study does not look at West Main Street.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. This week, the first concrete details of the city's next zoning code will be released to the public. The work is part of the Seville Plans Together initiative, which has already resulted in a new affordable housing plan and a new comprehensive plan. Now, the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors is mounting a new campaign to promote what they see as a way toward more affordable places to live. To make Charlottesville more livable, we need to make housing more affordable. The message is that allowing more density will translate into more affordable price points. So as soon as you're able, see how the Charlottesville Zoning Plan will make our city more affordable and livable. Visit SeavillePlansTogether.com. CAR also helps keep track of home sales in the area. According to their December 22nd report, only 39 homes sold in Charlottesville compared to 55 in 2022. The median sales price increased from 406000 to 468000 One prominent example of the increase in valuation is the $270,000 sale of a duplex in the Orangedale neighborhood on December 19th. That unit had been flipped by an entity called Aspiring Developments, who had purchased it for $140,000 in June. What to expect next? Last week, the city's director of neighborhood development services sent me this email. In his email to me, James Fries wrote that the first module or portion of the draft zoning ordinance will include all of the zoning districts, the land use table, and the zoning map. So the district implementing that land use category will be included. The second module to be released, which isn't this week, there will be the development standards. So that will include lighting, landscaping, signage. Uh, so that's that. That's what to expect. Base. That's what to expect. Stay tuned to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Earlier this month, Governor Glenn Youngkin's office announced the distribution of $2.9 million in grants across Virginia for programs to help people keep from being evicted from their homes. That includes an additional $275,000 for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission for another year of work. According to a press release, funding will support an eviction case management program at the newly created Financial Opportunity Center slash housing hub, as well as the creation of an eviction prevention case manager position. This is the third round of funding for TJPDC for this program, which dates back to legislation in the special session of the 2020 General Assembly 
that directed the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development to create a program to assist people in the immediate wake of the economic downturn associated with the beginning of the pandemic. The TJPDC won one grant to write up a local pilot. Here's a section from the TJPDC's website. The purpose of this pilot program is to create a local regional coordinated systems approach to effectively prevent evictions. When evictions cannot be prevented, the system must also include how to divert evictions once the household has received an unlawful detainer. The idea is to help people who are in danger of being evicted to get assistance early in the process. A second grant of $250,000 to the TJPDC allowed the Piedmont Housing Alliance to hire two new positions for their financial opportunity center who would directly work with landlords. Other funding would go to direct financial assistance to qualified community members. The manager of the Financial Opportunity Center is Dave Norris, a former Charlottesville mayor who is one of five candidates seeking the Democratic nomination for the vacant House District 54 seat. More on that tomorrow. The TJPDC's award this time around was one of nine across Virginia and the only one in the 5th Congressional District. Learn more about the others on the DHCD website. The city of Charlottesville has selected a firm to work on a strategic plan. The Raftelis Financial Consultants of Charlotte, North Carolina, will work on the document that is intended to guide the activities of the city's government. The existing plan was extended after fiscal year 20 due to the pandemic and a series of departures by city managers. Here's a section from a request for proposals issued on November 9th. The process will be closely coordinated with and guided by a strategic plan working group comprised of city staff members. The working group envisions a highly engaged consulting role that is deeply involved in gathering, processing, and summarizing the information generated by various consultation and participation processes. The consultant will be required to facilitate a strategic planning retreat and work on a plan with goals for calendar years 2023 through 2025. They'd better get going. But that is the end of the going for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And after two and a half years of doing this, one thing that eludes me is a regular schedule. My hope is to eventually have this be a daily that comes out always at a set time. But the way I work as one person has a gravity that doesn't easily cleave to the same rotation that gives rise to the solar day. This particular episode was at one point coming out on Friday, then Saturday, then today as early as possible. Here it is whenever you're hearing it. One thing I am hopeful to do is to hire some people to help as soon as I can. And when I do, there will likely be more regularity. I am now doing a weekly piece on land use and real estate for Seville Weekly, and the discipline of doing that is going to eventually lead to the regularity. So, so says this singularity. My ability to get there depends on paid subscriptions through Substack, and I am grateful for the nearly two dozen people who have done so for January so far. I am a startup, so to speak, and I really appreciate those who are helping me continue to wind the gears so that as many people as possible know what's happening. And of course, Ting will match your initial payment. Hooray for Ting! Want to upgrade your internet so you can download things faster and experience the internet that much faster? 
If you sign up at a link in a newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall, and my appreciation. Thanks, as always, to Rocky for the incidental music, as well as to the Fundamental Grang for the tinkering sound bites that punctuate the segments in the podcast. And of course, this is a bit where I deviate. I'm deviating from the script because the script says that I sometimes deviate from the script. There is nothing extra here. Uh, I'm going to say a cart. I might say a curse word. I'm going to say a curse word. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to blurt it out. Poop. <laughs> Have a good rest of the day. See you next time. The world is much more serious than my laughter indicates.